for my message today, uh, I really want to highlight some really important scriptures as we go through this. And so I've uh, I put some slides together today so you can actually see the scriptures uh, that I'm going to be sharing from. And so let me find them. And I really believe the Lord's going to speak today. Don't you love technology? Technology is great. There it is. Hope you can see this. So we're carrying on with our current series, uh, Living on Purpose. And, you know, I, I believe that God's going to speak to you today. And we're going to be talking about carrying Christ within. And so today, I want to, first of all, just let you know that you have a purpose. You have been put on earth for a reason, for a purpose. And God wants you to find out what that purpose is. He doesn't want you to guess. He never wants you to wonder. He really wants you to know it and believe it and receive it. And even the person watching today may be thinking, that's, that's not me. That's not me. Maybe you know God has a plan for someone else. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. He thought about you millions of years before you're even born. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. God has plans for you. He has purposes for you. And so far in January, we've gone through the Old Testament and looked at some of the key moments, some of the key characters. And we did this so that we can look at what the Old Testament uh, can tell us about our purpose. You see, all scripture is breathed and spoken by God for us in any generation. And so we can look back at what was written and apply it and understand it and believe it for our lives. And so we've done that right throughout the Old Testament. And we're now moving into the New Testament. And this is the, ne the next phase of God's plan of redemption, God's plan of salvation for the world and for everyone watching today. And we need to understand it. So we, as we move into the New Testament today, remember that God throughout all generations has been calling a people to himself. He's been calling a special people to become his own people that would represent him on the earth. And he's been doing it from the very beginning. And as you move into the New Testament, there's a new phase, there's a new chapter in what that means. And God does it in a way that you would never expect him to do that. He always amazes me. You know, God is almost counterintuitive. He, he, he goes against what you think he would do a lot of the time. But what God did in a hurting, in a sinful, sin-stained world to restore the world, the next phase of his plan was the birth of a child. And a young woman, Mary, was chosen by God to carry Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, to bring restoration, redemption, salvation to the world. Jesus' name 
means salvation. And so it begins with his birth, well, not only the birth of Jesus, but also the birth of a special prophet called John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, of course, uh, like a cousin to Jesus, and he was a forerunner prophet. He was a prophet that came just before Jesus to point people to him. And so as you look at the New Testament, wherever you start in the Gospels, which of course are the first uh, documents or letters in the New Testament, the theme, the dominant theme is about birth. And it doesn't go away as you go throughout the New Testament, as you'll see. For example, when you look in John chapter 1, talks about Jesus, how he came down from heaven as the God-man, the God in the flesh, the word became flesh, all of these terms that is used of him. In John chapter 1, we read, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. That's John chapter 1. Can you see, right at the start of the New Testament story, we're made to think about birth, supernatural birth, miraculous birth. Of course, the birth of Jesus, the birth of John, which is also miraculous in its own way. But also, what is this here? He gave the right to become children of God, children born, not of natural descent, nor of human decision, born of God, born of God. And who is it that is born of God? It's those who believed and received in Jesus. You know, people say sometimes God is everyone's father. And I know what they mean by that because God loves everyone, but not everyone is a child of God. Not everyone carries the spirit, carries Jesus within them. And as you go on, you'll see that that's what it means to be a child of God and to be saved, saved from the wrath, the penalty of sin. It's important that you were born again. You'll see that as we go on. And just to remind you, of course, the angel came to Mary and told her that the power of the Most High, speaking of God the Father, will overshadow you Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And of course, the Holy Spirit put Jesus into the womb, into the body of Mary through the Spirit. And you have to remember that as you go on in the New Testament, that it's not just about Jesus being born in Mary. It's about Jesus being born in everyone. God, the Spirit the Father and the Son being birthed into humanity. And so as you go on in the New Testament, God is birthing something miraculous into humanity. This is the next phase of his plan of redemption for the world, for you, for everyone you know. The literal presence and the life of God is going to come into a dead and dying humanity. To everyone who says yes, Mary said yes when, angel, when the angel Gabriel came to her and said essentially asked her, will you become the mother of my child, the mother of the Son of God? And Mary said, let it be done to me as the Lord wills. There was a, a receptiveness to that. There was a belief and a receiving 
going on. And this models something for us as well. And so, of course, today I'm talking to you about carrying Christ within. I'm talking to you about this incredible thing that God has been doing since the beginning. Remember, going back one scripture, John chapter 1, not everyone carries Christ within. It's only those who are born of God, those who've received him, believed and received him. And so there's something that must happen to you that changes you, something supernatural, something undeniable that transforms you. And out of all the ways that he, he, he chose to do it, or the ways that he tried to describe it to us and help us understand what salvation means in us, he did it through this metaphor of birth. We move on into John chapter 3, of course, and Jesus is talking to the religious uh, ruler, uh, religious teacher, I should say. Jesus called him the teacher of Israel. He, he really respected Nicodemus, of course, and Nicodemus has questions for Jesus. And Jesus, as the Messiah, is happy to give truth to him because he's open to what he has to say. And he has a conversation with Nicodemus. You can see the picture of Jesus talking to Nicodemus here. This is from uh, the Chosen TV series. It's a fantastic TV series if you never watched it. Watch it all for free online. Um, so check it out, The Chosen. Fantastic. Um, but in John chapter 3, when this conversation is taking place, Jesus is talking about kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter their mother's womb to be born the second time. But Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Think about what he's saying. Jesus tells him, you must be born again. Well, how can someone literally be born again? And Jesus goes on to say, I'm not talking literally born again. I'm talking born of the spirit, born of water and the spirit. The spirit gives birth to spirits. Think about that. The spirit, who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit gives birth to spirit. He's talking about what will happen inside a believer. What will allow us to see the kingdom of God, to literally receive revelation of the kingdom of God in our lifetime and also enter it after our life. You must be born again. You must be born again. It's not an evangelical Christian buzzword. Uh, you know, someone once asked me, are you one of those born again Christians? Did you know, according to Jesus, there isn't any other kind of believer. You must be born again. And I'm going to explain what that means as we move on. But think about what he's saying here. Flesh is birth to flesh. Okay, so human beings give birth to human beings. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. 
And then he goes on to say, the wind blows wherever it pleases. Have you seen how windy it is out there today? It is super windy. And I'm looking out my window right now, and I can see things moving around. Trees, grass, uh, people, small children, animals, literally flying into the sky. Not, not, I'm only joking about the last part. But there's an invisible force moving everything. And you can't see it, but you can see its effects. And that's what Jesus is talking about. You can't see the spirit but you can see what he does. And you, the way you see what he does, it's through those who are born of the spirit. When you are a Christian, when you let Jesus in, something begins to move you. And it's not just something, it's someone begins to move because the spirit is a person. The Father, Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three persons. They're the three persons of the Godhead. Jesus is the Son, the Spirit, there's the Spirit and the Father. They are all God and they move you. They move you. And it's only the Spirit that knows where He's leading you, where He's leading us as a church. He knows and He's moving us. And next week I'm going to be talking more about what it means to be moved by the Holy Spirit. But just understand that that's what Jesus is talking about here. And Jesus, just as you'll notice in John 3, he said, you should not be surprised at this saying, Nicodemus. Isn't that interesting? You know, obviously Jesus is using metaphorical language. And Nicodemus is obviously struggling to understand uh, everything Jesus is saying. But he said, you shouldn't be surprised at this, Nicodemus, because he is a teacher of Israel. He knows the Old Testament. He knows the scriptures. And of course, there are many promises in the Old Testament that one day when the Messiah comes, when the, the plan of God's uh, salvation is unfolding in humanity, okay, the New Testament age that we've begun now in this series, okay, there's going to be a sprinkling of water and the Spirit. Have a look at Ezekiel chapter 36, for instance. God promises, I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So being born again, uh, some people think it means you're born of your mother and then you're born of the spirit. That's what the water is. Okay, amniotic birth. Okay, and then there's spirit birth. Um, it could be saying that. Okay, and perhaps Jesus is talking about baptism here, but there's no mention of baptism. So what is he referring to? Being born again is two things that you need to understand. It means that you're washed of your sin. You're washed in the water. Okay, that God washes your sins away. Okay, and he puts the spirit in you. You see that here in Ezekiel. You're born. What did Jesus say in John 3? Born of water and the spirit. That's one phrase together. He doesn't say you're born of water, then you're born of the spirit. He's saying you are born of water and the spirit. It's one phrase together. Okay. And that's what it means to be born again. Washed of your sins. Washed of your impurities. And filled with the spirit. The sin is washed away and the spirit comes in. That is what it means to be born again. And of course, as, John, as Jesus goes on in this dialogue, of course, it concludes with 
this these statements. Now, either this is part of the conversation with Nicodemus or it's the next part of John, John's gospel. But straight after this conversation about being born again, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Can you see again? It is about believing and receiving. You shall not perish, but you shall have eternal life. John 3.16 is in that conversation or in that section of the Bible of this conversation with Nicodemus. And so what does it mean that God so loved the world that he gave his son? Jesus died on the cross. Jesus paid the price for our sins. Jesus washed us. He washed our sin away. He took the penalty of our sin in his body. And he opened the way for us to be cleansed so that we could receive the spirit, so that we could receive him, so that we could receive life. He took death out of us. He took sin out of us and he put life in us. That's what the cross is about. And there's so much to know know and understand about the cross. But today, that's what I want you to, to know is that he wants to live in you. He wants to live in you. And make you born again. Jesus said this, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Jesus said, whoever, whoever believes in me. What did it say in John 3.16? For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him. This is open to anyone, the whoever's, to believe in me. But remember this line, don't overlook this line, as the scripture has said. Lots of people believe in Jesus. Lots of people have an idea of who Jesus is. Um, Different religions, uh, philosophies, they all have different ideas of who Jesus is. Okay, But remember... You must believe in him as the scripture has said. And then the spirit, the living waters flow from within, flow from within. And of course, Jesus was talking about the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Who believed in him received, believe and receive. Remember that. Believe and receive. And so we must believe in him as the scripture has said. John later on said, but these things are written, that these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why we have the Bible. That's why we teach the Bible. Because when we believe in him, and remember, not only believe in him, receive him as well. By believing in him, believing in his name, believing who he really is, as the Bible says, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, his virgin birth. You must believe these things because this is the true Jesus. And when you believe in the true Jesus, you can receive the true Jesus and you can receive the true life. Many people claim to be Christian. And something is missing. Because maybe it's just a head knowledge, maybe it's an acknowledgement that God is real 
that I believe Jesus, I believe Jesus is great. But can I tell you something? Being born again, being in relationship with God, is a little bit like being married. Um, and there's tons of scripture I could use to back this up. But you know, if someone asked me, are you married to Hannah? Uh, it'd be, it'd be daft for me to say, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm married to her, but I believe in her and I think she's great. Uh, I talk to her sometimes. I'm not sure if I'm married to her. You see, if you're a Christian, if you've believed Jesus and received him, it's undeniable what's happened to you. You know, and I think I think this is where it's gone wrong in churches. Sometimes we just we pray, ask people to pray a prayer, and then tell them automatically you're you're now a Christian. But listen, if you haven't if you haven't received, then maybe you're not born again. And the evidence and the fruit of that is your life. It's what happens in your life. I know many people that would say, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm a Christian, but they live just like the world. They just live like. They lived before. They lived like nothing changed, and there must be there must be fruit. There must be uh, evidence of that change, and it's a changed life. It's a changed heart. Remember, in Ezekiel, God said, "You know, I'll take the heart of stone. Have you still got a hard heart, or do you have a soft heart, a heart of love? That's an evidence. Are you are you still living in sin, or are you washed free of it? And do you see it differently now? Are your eyes and ears open to Him?" Or are you still just as lost as before? And I think you can be Christian and struggle with sin. You could struggle with temptation. But when Jesus comes in, okay, that is a big deal. And if he has come in and you've received him, you've received life. You should be different. You should be changed. And so you have to examine yourself. If you're watching today and you think, I think I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Okay, but are you married to him? Are you united with him? Is he in you? Are you in him? Are you aware of him? Or are you just living just like before, but with a casual belief in God? Because if you are, you're in dangerous, you're in a dangerous place because you've had a false conversion. And maybe you are someone who believes in your, you know, God's working in your life and you're leading to it. But today you need to make that decision. You need to make that decision. Lord, I believe in you and I receive you. And, you know, that's a way of life as a Christian thereafter to keep believing in him, to keep receiving him. But when you open the door to him, he will come in and you will receive life in his name. And Jesus said this. Now, this is eternal life that they will know you. Remember, knowing Jesus, the one and only the one. Sorry, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they know you, Jesus prayed, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Okay, it's not just know about. He doesn't say this is eternal life that people know about you. This is eternal life that people just believe in you. It's eternal life, the life of the spirit in you. When you know him, when you know him, isn't that amazing? To know God the Father, that's who Jesus is praying to here and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus elsewhere said, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son, speaking of himself, does not have life. You know, so knowing him. 
And of course, going back a few steps in this, before Jesus's prayer to the Father, Jesus is explaining to, the, to his followers in this intimate meeting, what will happen uh, when he dies, when he rises from the dead and pours out his spirit on them. And Jesus tells them of that time after his death, his resurrection and ascension to heaven. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And skipping down just a little bit, it, um, it says this, it says the reply to him, if any, and Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Look at that. If you believe in me, if you love me, the father will send the spirit. And when the spirit comes, I will come to you. But also Jesus says this, my father will, will love him and we, Jesus and the father and the son will come and make our home in that person who has believed and received and has chosen the Lord. Isn't that amazing? It's not just that you carry Christ within, you carry the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now at the moment, I can imagine that your conscience is, is going, why would God want to live in me, in this, in this body, in this life? But you know, that's the cross. That's what the cross was about. He died to, to purify you fully so that the Holy Spirit, the life of God could come into you. And when you repent of your sins and you believe that he died on the cross, he takes it away. He really takes it away. And the life of the spirit comes in. Isn't that amazing? You can't carry God in you because of you. You can only carry him because of him. And he's cleansed the temple. He's cleansed the dwelling place of God. The place where he wants to live. He wants to live in you. That's why you were made. You were made to be an extension of him. That's your purpose on the earth. He doesn't just want to live in a, a tent or a temple. He wants to live in the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's us. That's who we are. We're also called the body of Christ. The body of Christ. And of course, this is a term that Apostle Paul would, would use a lot. And of course, Apostle Paul was Saul of Tarsus and he was persecuting the church. He was, you know, breathing murderous threats against the church. He was concerned that his fellow, uh, you know, Jews, Israel were, were going into idolatry. They were worshiping uh, a man as God. Whereas of course we know the truth that he's not just a man who's worshipped as God. He's the God who became man. There's a big difference. And on the road to Damascus, on this road to persecute Christians, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is now ascended to heaven after his death and resurrection, appears to him in dazzling light and almost blinds Paul. 
And this is the moment of Paul's conversion. Of course, he receives the Spirit in, in the book of Acts. He receives, he believes and receives the Spirit. And God commissions him to preach uh, Jesus Christ to the world and to build up the church, to build up the body of Christ. You know, we talk about Christ coming into us individually, right? But remember that the Bible isn't as individualistic as we are. You know, we always think about me and everything like that, you know. God looks down at all of us and he calls us the body of Christ. He lives in us collectively as well as individually. Isn't that amazing? And Paul talks about his sufferings to bring the gospel to the world and to present the truth to the church as well. But he says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known Oh, praise God to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you collectively, you Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that amazing? Christ in you individually, but Christ in you, body of Christ, church, the Lord's people is in you. It was hidden for generations. It was a mystery. Apostle Peter would say, even angels long to look into this mystery of salvation that God would unfold in the New Testament age. It's been hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to you as his saints, his holy people. That's what saints means. It means holy ones. He calls you his holy ones. Look at all the look at all this scripture on here. How many things, how many ways it talks about us, the body of Christ. And you can see it's not just for the Jews. It's not just for those who had the Old Testament scripture. It's now for the world. It's now for the Gentiles, the non-Jews as well. And for us, it's the mystery revealed in, in us, Christ in us. That is the mystery. That is the, the thing that God was holding back. But it was, of course, revealed in its own way in, in the Old Testament, as we've seen. But now it's fully revealed and you're part of it. This is the riches of his glory. How amazing is it to know that God lives in you? And, and Paul said, I, I've suffered for this message. I've, 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 I've carried this message to the world, but I rejoice in it because it's worth it. It's worth it that people will not go to hell. It's worth it that those who are lost in this world who are rebellious against God, who will, who will get what they deserve, who will be punished according to what they've done in their lifetime. And how great is it that Jesus didn't give what we deserved. He took what we deserved on the cross so that we could receive the glory that was due to him. We receive glory from God. And it's a glorious thing to know Jesus, to encounter him, to live in the life of the Spirit. 
Paul in another letter to the Romans says, but if you Christ in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, even though you're going to die one day, that's what he's saying, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Think about what he's saying. Because of his spirit who lives in you. Christ is in you. Even though you'll die one day, the spirit that's in there because of God's righteousness, because of what God did through the cross, through coming in to you and cleansing your sin away, you can receive life in your body even now. Spiritual life, overcoming sin, uh, overcoming everything that the world will throw at you. And living free, truly living free. If you read all of Romans 8, it, it talks so much about the life of the Spirit. It's all The whole chapter is about that. I tried to memorize it once <laughs> when I was younger because it's just an incredible section of Scripture. And even to this day, I, it's one of those Scriptures where, gosh, it, isn't it amazing what God's done in us? He's given us life. The Spirit is working life inside of us later on in his life paul would say i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live but christ lives in me the life i live in the body i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself up for me i wonder if you could echo those words as a christian and you're watching today can you echo those words? It's no longer I that live. It's no longer about me anymore. It's no longer about my desires, my sin, my me, me, me. It's about Christ who lives in me and not about me, me, me. <laughs> because that's the world. That's the spirit of the world. But you know, these are powerful words. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's his life source. That's the life I live now. It's him inside of me. It's what he wants. It's what he says. It's where he leads me. It's him. I'm got. I'm you know me and the old me, and what I want and what I think is right and etc. It's gone. And that's where you go as a Christian. That's where it's leading, on this process of being made holy. But this must be a life statement. This must be where we're going. This must be what we can say of ourselves sooner rather than later. Because we more, the more we hang on to the things of death and the things of sin, the, the life of God that's going to be at work in us is suppressed. It's grieved. It's shut down. And what's the key? It's believing and receiving. It's believing and receiving. Peter goes on. This is my last scripture. Peter reminds the church in 1 Peter chapter 1. It's all about being born again. If you want to read that scripture in full, that whole scripture is about what it means to be born again. But at the end of that chapter, he says, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. 
But you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Isn't that amazing? You purify yourselves. Peter's talking to them as if it's already happened. And maybe it had. Maybe they had purified themselves of, of sin, living without sin. People think, you can't live without sin, you know. And uh, But can you, is the question. Can you live without sin? Can you overcome sin? Are we just waiting to die until we stop sinning? Or is it possible that we, in our lifetimes, can stop sin? Now, I know there's scriptures where where it says things like, you know, those who claim to be without sin um, make God a liar and all of these things. Okay. But you have to remember that if we claim we've never sinned, then that's that's wrong. But if it's is it possible to claim that actually in our life that we can live that we can cleanse ourselves of sin. You think, I can never do that. Well, you can never do that. But in Romans 8, it says, if you put to death the misdeeds of the flesh, I haven't got it on the screen, you will live. Okay. So you don't, I'm not saying you need to have sinless perfection to enter heaven. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, although some people believe that. I'm saying that you must keep going on being sanctified, being cleansed. And one of the ways that you do that, as you can see here, is that you keep loving one another. You keep believing the word. You love each other deeply. You know, if you love people deeply, uh, you won't sin against them. If you love God, you won't sin against him. And remember, it's God who changes our desires. Like it says in Ezekiel, when he puts the spirit in you, he will move you to follow his decrees. He will move you. He will motivate you. He will give you new motives, new desires that flow from within, that become more powerful, more present. We're so sin conscious all the time. This is, but we need to be more God conscious. That He's bigger than our sin. That He's bigger than the things around us. And He continues to cleanse us. And we get lost in Him to the point where we can say, "I no longer live." Christ lives in me. That's where we need to go. That's where we're going in our life and of course in eternity as well. So what's the answer for someone watching today who's not sure if they believe, who's not sure if they're there yet? Whoever you are, you must believe. You must receive so that you can become. Whoever believed in his name received him he gave the right to become children of God by believing and receiving him. You will become children of God. You'll be indwelt by the spirit. You'll be saved from the, the penalty of sin that Christ paid for. And you will continue to live in an ever sanctified, ever cleansing way of life so that you look back years and years and you see I used to do things then I don't do anymore and, and I'm bearing fruit I'm growing in love you know there's evidence the Bible talks about the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness they come from the life of the spirit these are the fruits of the spirit the fruits the evidence of the spirit living in you and today maybe you've realized 
there just isn't fruit. There just isn't evidence that he's there. Maybe you're realizing that you never belong to Christ, that you never, you were never born again. Well, today is your time. Today is the moment of salvation for you to believe in him, to believe. Just take it and close your eyes, whoever you are right now, just close your eyes. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. Think about him. Say, I believe in you. I believe you died. I believe you rose. And I believe that you love me. And I receive. And Lord, I repent. I repent of my sin. I am sorry. Repent, it means to change your mind, to rethink, repent. Change your mind about sin. And to, to change your mind about God, to, to choose him. Say, Jesus, I choose you. I believe in you. I receive you. I believe someone watching right now is receiving Christ into their heart. Receiving the life of the spirit, the living waters flowing into them. Come, Lord. 